how you doing today, Brian? It is just me and you flying solo. We are recording this literally right before we release it, and uh, John <laughs> is enjoying himself, probably getting ready to smoke a big old turkey. <laughs> so we're looking forward to have him on in, in a couple more episodes once he gets back from vacation. But today we talked about all kinds of stuff from you know mentorship um, from an individual, you know content from individuals that have an impact on you uh, you brought up a book that's had a huge influence on you that discipline equals freedom and jocko Willick specifically uh, so what are people going to find in this episode today so we kind of predicated it on this theme that as we embark on this recording uh the week before thanksgiving and enter into this period of the holidays we also find that it's a time where a lot of folks tend to set up things like New Year's resolutions, right? You've got the turn of the year, and it just seems like a good sort of timestamp for a lot of folks to start invoking goal setting for themselves. And so a lot of the topics that we covered today, I think, are some of our own techniques of how we use goal setting and the importance of self-awareness and leadership that really help drive you forward not only for uh, your own self-development, which is important, but for your own outlook and perspective on things and uh, how that can also help create compromise uh, in challenging situations that you may face uh, in your role as a leader. You know what? I don't think I could have said that any better, Brian. So with that, let's just let everybody get on with the show. Love it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford in Denver, Colorado. And I'm Nick Lozano in Washington, D.C. And uh, today we are reflecting on this time of season that we're recording this episode, which is embarking onto the holidays. And something that's common among the holidays is for people to start uh, coming up with some of their goals for the next year including the seemingly ever-elusive New Year's resolution. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you say elusive. Uh, And, you know, you and I were kind of chatting before we we got on this, and we were talking about New Year's resolutions. And for you specifically, there was one book that you brought up that had a big impact on you um, as you were thinking about this topic. So why don't you just dive into that a little bit and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So Jocko Willink, who I, I can thank you, Nick, for turning me on to, <laughs> uh, his, his book, Discipline Equals Freedom, which I think the title says it all, right? And being that he's got the Navy SEAL background, of course, he calls it a field manual, which, you know, I think is probably a good characterization for what it is because the, the chapters yeah, are for sure. incredibly short. It's really intended to be an instruction guide, and it lays it all out on the table. I mean, there's not a lot of fluff to the book. You know, it's incredibly short read, and uh, and even shorter no, and as an audiobook. I think you're right, and th- that's a book. Um, you know that that like you said, it's a short read, and it's not one. I wouldn't say that you necessarily sit down generally and read 
cover to cover in one session. At least I didn't when I first found it. It was more of one that, um, you know, I, I'd see a topic or something and, uh, you know, something would just hit me. And, and like you're saying, the audiobook, right? The audiobook is where it's at for that one. But having that physical book is still pretty cool, too. And I, I think but it's, I, I digress. I'm <laughs> I, uh, I kicked you off your train of thought there. Right? No, no, it's okay. You know, I mean, as a as a uh, as an artifact, that's easy to get into the hands of people, and I think it's worthwhile for anyone who is interested in their own personal development. I, th- I think it's even freely available as a PDF on the web. I mean, it's it's a very short read. It's I I don't know maybe 50 pages, something like that. Um, something that's that's easy enough to sit down and read in a couple of hours. But, um, you know, as we think about one of the categories in book sales, that's always in the top three, is self-help or personal development. So there's a reason for that, right? I mean, there's a, there's a huge demand for that. And you and I have talked extensively on this program and just with each other about self-awareness being one of those top leadership traits that we recognize and value. And that, you know, part of self-awareness is not only being capable of recognizing your strengths and playing to them, but recognizing your deficiencies. And rather than playing to your deficiencies, recognizing the areas that you can change and taking it beyond just goal setting into action, right? And so, uh, you know, we were recently... uh, interviewing retired Major General Brett Williams, and he talked about the PBED acronym, you know, with, with planning, execution, uh, or, sorry, is that right? Planning, <laughs> no, planning, brief, <laughs> execution and debrief. And, yes. And so, the, you know, in the planning phase, right, um, it, it's great to kind of recognize, you know, here's some goals that I want to set for myself. And that's why I reference the ever elusive, uh, you know, New Year's resolution, because it seems like the goal that gets set every year by everyone that's adhered to for maybe two weeks or two months or not long enough to really effectively become part of behavior change. I mean, do you find that to be true, Nick? I mean, I find it to be true. I used to be a big New Year's resolution person, right? Um, and I think as time went on, I, I gave up New Year's resolutions and just turned them into personal goals. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, at least for me, uh, you know, I would set a resolution. I would stick for with it for a while. And I would never go back to review where I was, right? Uh, at least that's what would happen with me. And I find now that I do more of like personal goals as, you know, I set a goal and then at a certain point I review and say, hey, where am I? Right. It's just like if we got on a on a map and we're driving, you know, from Denver to D.C., you know, between our two locations. If I don't ever stop to look at the map, how do I ever know I'm going the right direction? (laughs) (laughs) So I've taken that approach for for goal setting. And, you know, that that discipline equals freedom book is is a good example. That's kind of how we wound up starting this podcast, right? (laughs) We had talked about for a while that, you know, you and I were going to start this podcast, conversations, talk about leadership. uh, And we're always kind of waiting for that perfect moment, right? And I opened a chapter of that book and uh, I don't remember specifically 
like how it goes, but it says something about creating, right? It's like, uh, just just start doing. Don't wait for things to be perfect. It's, it's something along the lines, and I'm sure I'm completely butchering it. I'll, <laughs> I'll get an email from somebody here soon telling, correcting me. But it's something along that lines. And the great thing about you know the modern day is that you know with the internet and the ability to listen to podcasts and consume social media, you can have a relationship with somebody almost like they're a mentor without actually knowing who they are. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, Jocko Willink um, has had a big impact on me as an individual uh, ever since I found him randomly on, um, maybe he was on Joe Rogan first, but I found him on some other podcast before he before I noticed he was on Joe Rogan. And he's like, oh, I don't even have social media, really. <laughs> he's like, Tim, Tim Ferriss told me to get on this thing called Twitter and I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> but just like you, he's had a big impact on me. And uh, I, I would say... The same goes for some someone like Simon Sinek as well, too. Oh, yeah. um, he's a pretty well-known figure that the Start With Why book kind of blew him up, but mm-hmm. he's got a lot of concepts that I really uh, jive with. Yeah, well, and I, part of what I love is, you know, you and I have talked about we've got a couple of different constraints that, you know, have sort of for, forever changed the working landscape. There are a lot of folks who find themselves find themselves now in permanent remote work situations whereas that may not have been you know the case previously and so consequently having that direct interaction with someone in a working environment uh, it, it may become something that's more challenging for certain folks and you know that's where a lot of mentorship tends to kind of formulate right it's it's in a work environment it's where you've got someone who may be you know senior to you perhaps in another department um and you don't necessarily have a direct working relationship with them but you know you you have a connection through the work environment and you know suddenly there's some some kind of rapport that helps develop into you know a, a natural uh you know path towards having a mentor-mentee relationship and kind of a lot of that gets lost in a remote work environment but the great thing is that the door is open with all of this content that's out there on the web uh and a lot of it on you know youtube on on podcast networks i mean there's there's just so much of it that can be uh immediately available to you as well as you know google books i mean there's uh, you know, or Goodreads. There's there's all of these uh, online resources as well, where you can actually get chapters, if not the entire book, to well-established publications that are also made freely on the web. So, um, in terms of you know the opportunities for positive influence, um, they may not be equal to proportionately the opportunities. For or uh, negative influence that we've seen in, in rampant droves in recent years, but um, but they are there, so, and particularly if you seek them out. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Everything's there, whether it's positive or negative. It just depends on what, what you're looking for. And I guess the other unfortunate part about everything being open to you is you can wind up in an echo chamber, right, where mm-hmm. you can just be confirming your own biases and before we were recording we were talking about being self-aware too and i think that's really important when you start looking at um things and looking at ideas and i believe was it peter margaritas 
uh, had that great line where he's like, are you listening to, to somebody else to understand or are you listening to them to respond? So at least I know for me every now and then I search out viewpoints that are different than my own just because I want to, you know, check my own things. Uh, and just because someone changes their mind doesn't mean anything. Uh, like I'm making decisions now based off the information I know now. Uh, not the information I know tomorrow. <laughs> so so our ideas and our beliefs can change over time and being open to listen to someone else, to understand what they're saying, to understand their perspectives without just trying to respond uh, is, is a difficult task. So self-awareness, like you brought up earlier before we hit recording, that, to me is a, is a big thing, especially when you're looking for the um, kind of like mentee relationship, right? When it's not directly... Uh, a connection like we work together yeah yeah you know your uh, your comments there about um sort of operating from the best of the information that we've got today it reminds me i think it was the poet walt whitman in, in leaves of grass uh who wrote uh i contradict myself you know asking us a question and then affirming, I contradict myself. I'm large. I contain multitudes, <laughs> right? So, uh, so I think affirming the possibility that you can always evolve, you can always change, you can always add to your perspective. Um, in most cases, hopefully, that means you know you enlarge your capacity for tolerance versus narrowing it. But um, you know, having I think going back to your earlier point about. Rather than just having a uh, an, an annual um, you know New Year's resolution, actually formulating a life strategy for yourself, and you know coming from an agile background, you know making that an iterative process to me is something that's important. And so for my life strategy, I have different categories of goals, and I map them onto a timeline so that I actually time bind you know, those, those things so that they're not just elusively sitting out there and like one day I'm going to get to that. There's actually steps that have to be taken to undertake action. Right. Um, but also being flexible enough that you can shift things, you know, knowing if, uh, there's a real estate investment deal that comes up and maybe that wasn't my goal until Q2 of next year, but it's available to me now that may now supersede something else that I had planned right now it's not gonna mean that it's off the list but now I, I have the ability to flexibly move those things around as long as I maintain the self-discipline to continue moving forward on the path of all of those things that I have set up as goals for myself do you use a similar structure I mean I, I do something similar I'm not quite as uh Specific. I, I haven't applied. Like I'm, I'm fairly familiar with agile and Scrum and everything and sprints and epics and stories. <laughs> uh, you know, when we get into all the terms, uh, and I love doing things like that when it comes to processes at work. But when it comes to my own personal things, I, for me, simple is better. Right? If I just take those same uh, mentality and methodologies. Methodologies, jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that we we do when we do agile development, and um, you know, just like the cyclical pattern. Just go back and take a look. Are you heading in the right direction? Uh, you know, is this even a goal worth even doing anymore? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, uh, at least I know for me in the past, I would get stuck on a goal, 
and I'm heading the wrong direction because I just wasn't evaluating. I was evaluating if I was going the right direction, but I never stopped to think sometimes if this was still a direction I wanted to go. Uh, so for me, it's important as well to evaluate the goal itself. Maybe it's not a goal I want to do anymore, and I'm okay just cutting it off and focusing my attention more to uh, one of the ones, the other ones that I have, just depending on what's going on. Do you ever reevaluate your goals and, and decide, you know, since you have such a defined process, you, are you constantly reevaluating them? Yeah, you know, and part of what you just commented on there leads me to ask you another question too, but I'll, I'll answer yours first. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yes, I, I do, uh, tend to reevaluate. And, you know, part of, uh, part of a technique that I learned, I'm not even sure where I may have learned it, but, um, I, you know, I saw it reaffirmed in a documentary or I think a self-help movie maybe is a better way to characterize it called The Secret years ago. And that was the idea of constructing vision boards. And again, I, I forget the first place that I, I learned about doing that, but it seemed like a, a really simple technique. So kind of following on your, you know, simple is more effective for you. Uh, the idea of putting together just a, a poster board sized, uh, you know, panel that contained images that were direct associations with things you know, that I, uh, uh, aspired to, you know, I made, you know, multiple versions of these over the years. Right. And part of what I recognized, you know, in answering your question is that from the first vision board, which was kind of all over the map, uh, to, you know, further iterations of it, there started to be more of a, a narrowing and focusing of certain things. Until it got, you know, for me, kind of to be structured around four key themes. And those areas have continued to be the areas that I concentrate my focus in. And so, um, and, and it's not exclusive. I mean, obviously, there's always little objectives that come up now and again. But um, but by and large, it, it has ended up, you know, kind of being my, my true north uh, for my own, you know, personal strategy. So I wanted to ask you, you know, sort of similarly, how many times have you gone back to maybe a list that you've created of goals, you know, that you wanted to pursue? And even though you hadn't been actively sort of tracking any one of them in particular, you looked at the list and realized that you'd already accomplished several of them. I would say that's happened more, more times than, um, I care to admit. Right? <laughs> I think we 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 all do that, right? Uh, it's it's with this goal setting. Looking back and writing, there there was times where I wasn't writing things down, and and I'll give this example. Uh, for me, it was doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu right. In in the beginning of doing it, I wasn't keeping a notebook of what I was doing and what progress and what what goals I was trying to attain each session, um, and I was kind of spinning my wheels at a certain point in time. So then the very first time I decided I was going to write this down, uh, like, okay, training, you know, I want to hit X, Y, Z. I want to, you know, establish this. I want to be able to do this move. And after I wrote that down and I stopped and reflected on it the next day, I was like, well, heck, I've already done like, you know, 25% of these. Uh, it's just a process of that. I didn't, you know, commit it to memory and write it down and reflect on it. Um, it wasn't as apparent to me that I was further along than 
I already was. And I'm not saying that people need to journal. Um, I know journaling's not for some people, but even if you just write something on a post-it note or put it in an Evernote note or OneNote or Notion or whatever you do, just somewhere where you can go back and reflect on it. And for me, since we're talking about reflection too, uh, I didn't get into journaling until uh, somebody said something to me that are like, you know, I, I said to them, I'm like, you know, journaling's not for me. And geez, I wish I remember who I had this conversation with. Um, but they were like, you know, journaling's just about writing your thoughts out. Don't worry about spelling, grammar, punctuation. Just when you put that pen in your hands or, or your fingers on the keyboard, just write whatever's in your mind. It doesn't even matter if it's coherent. Uh, it's, it's more of just allowing your brain to dump and think about what's on your mind. Uh, so, uh, in hindsight, yeah, yes, I've, I've totally <laughs> missed goals by not writing them down. And uh, for me, and I know it's not everybody, um, but for me, you know, writing them down and reflecting has been, been a huge way for me to see where I am and to even notice that I've accomplished things that I didn't think I had accomplished already. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's really critical. Uh, I'm with you on that. I think it's really critical to actually memorialize those things for yourself in some way. And, you know, being as specific as possible is also, I think, very helpful. So, you know, a good example, that's, a, I think, a common goal a lot of people have, lose some weight. Well, you know, how much? I mean, five pounds, what seven pounds, mean? 10 pounds, <laughs> yes. you know, like, like put a, you know, quantify it somehow. <clears throat> and, and then maybe you can take it a step further and quantify it by time binding it, right? I want to lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks. Okay, well, that gives you, you know, a really clear uh, set of objectives there. And you can then, you know, work backwards and start measuring it pretty, pretty consistently to see whether or not you're on track with that. <clears throat> but then you can get even more specific with something like, I want to lose 10 pounds of fat and gain two pounds of lean muscle tissue, <laughs> right? So, but the point being, until you've actually committed in that in, in some way, I, I really do think that there's something that happens in the mind where just by the act of creating that message in some way, right? Like the unconscious mind is, is dumb. It just believes whatever we tell it. <laughs> and so if you tell it that this is something that's important to you and that we're, you know, on track with making this uh, a clear goal and, and, you know, then that I think takes it a step closer to, to actually manifesting the reality of that taking place. I think there's a great uh, quote from Tony Robbins that goes something to the effect of, um, you know, a lot of people are into these affirmations, right? Well, affirmations without action are the first step to delusion, <laughs> right? So putting it down, I think is important. It, it does, I think, cause some type of brain change, but then there actually has to be some work behind it. And I think that's part of why, you know, going back to Jocko Willink's book, Discipline Equals Freedom, that's part of why that resonates so well with me, because it's, He's just very cut and dried, you know, about the work component of it. Yeah, I mean, that book's had a big impact on me, too. And specifically the audio book, and as we were discussing, it's like whenever you hear him, you know, in the audio book, 
you, you just feel like, yes, I need to do this because this person's telling me. He just has that that tone when he reads. And I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, right? Um, like, I'll just get that out there right away, right? I know he's not everybody's <laughs> cup of tea. Some people find him, you know, brash. Um, I've, I've, I read somewhere where somebody called him a knuckle dragger. Um, so I, I understand he's not everybody's <laughs> cup of tea. But I, I know that that book's had a big impact on, on me and his podcast specifically, Um had a pretty big impact on me. Uh, you know, I've been into leadership for a long time, even since, you know, before I found him or I found, um, you know, any of the number like Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I think just, you know, from reading those books and consuming his content, I'm like, well, you know, I've got something to say about this. Uh, am I a master at this topic? No, but I've at least got something to say, something to share, something that might help somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we've talked about sort of that force multiplier. Uh, I think that Timothy Ferris had originally talked about, right? You don't, you don't need uh, the masses to embrace what you're doing. You just need, you know, a selective cult following, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's all you need to be successful, right? It's something like 2,000 people is all it takes to be, you know, 2,000 followers is all it takes to be a success, something, something like that in this equation. Yeah, uh, it's. It, I believe so. Tim Ferriss. I think it's a Kevin Conley article. Um, it's like a thousand true fans or something like that, mm-hmm. where he goes through, and I'll, I'll have to put it in the show notes. I'll go. I'll see if I can go find it. Um, or if you just type in Google a thousand true fans, I'm sure it's probably the first uh, result that comes up. But basically, he goes through this whole process that you know to to have a following at anything all you need is a thousand true fans you don't need to have the masses the millions of followers um you know the thousand true fans are the ones who would you know buy any book you put out they'd buy a cup if you released a cup that was eight dollars you know anything <laughs> that you do they're your true fans who will show up for book signings um listen to podcasts show up for live streams uh so as you're looking for goals, if you're thinking, we've talked about it before, but if you're thinking about producing any content or doing any kind of writing, just just do it and uh, get your voice out there. Share share your feelings and, and your thoughts. I don't know how we got onto that. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of, one of the themes that you touched on earlier that uh, I think comes from, um, there's, there's a section... Um, and discipline equals freedom called overcoming procrastination, right? And the, and and it's when and where to start. It's one of those things that I just, I love from Jocko Willing because he, this is part of the brashness, right? I mean, he, he does have a very, uh, terse, intense, serious tone. There's nothing like fun or playful at all about anything that he has to say. But, you know, when it comes to a topic like this, I, I think it's just about, you know, the best um, representation of what this lesson is that I've ever heard from any mentor. You know, overcoming procrastination. Okay, I want to get physically fit. How do I do it? When do I start? You do it by practicing exercises every day. You start now, yeah, and you do it every day. <laughs> and, you know, I want to quit smoking. You know, how can I quit smoking? Quit smoking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean that's that's exact thing what you're talking about, right? It, it is it is very direct and 
and to the point and sometimes that's what you need to hear right yeah like at least for me sometimes i just need that you know that pow kick in the face where it's like oh yeah you know i just you know need to commit to actually doing this i'm, I'm failing on the execution right <laughs> well and that's I, I i also like in that book that he points out he says look you know people are weak i myself i you know he says you know i jocko willink am weakness and every day that's the battle that i have to confront what do i allow to be the winner in this battle is it my discipline or is it my weakness because it's very easy to give in to weakness but it's still a choice no different than taking the path of discipline they they're all predicated on a choice and so he he refers to that you know in the book as mind control and so of course we've we've heard this same theme over and over again from all sorts of different you know online or you know author mentors uh, you know, Robert Anton Wilson is one of my favorites when it comes to the subject of brain change. But I think Tony Robbins is, you know, probably one of the most popular in the mainstream. And that's exactly what he talks about. And he has many different facets of how you can evoke that type of brain change to be transformative. So, you know, either one of those two authors that I just mentioned, you got to kind of get deep into their work, you know. I mean, there's there's little nuggets in in every chapter of every book, but again, with Jocko Willink, I think you know you've got kind of a, a two minute audio book chapter where he covers that topic, and then you're moving on, <laughs> you know, on to the next topic. So if you want to cut to the chase, I think it's a good place to start. It's it's a great place to start at least was for me and he has another book called leadership strategies and tactics which is pretty um similar and it's leadership based where it's like uh you know it's, it's kind of like a field manual i think I, do i have it up here uh i don't have it up on my bookshelf um it's it's the same kind of deal where it's like okay what what do i do if i have a bad leader i'll just go to this page here and buy uh, you can see everything that yeah, Jocko's beliefs. Darn it. Whether you agree with them or not, I mean, I, I just like the way that his writing style and the way he lays out his books, where it's kind of like definitely just straight and to the point. And you can kind of tell he has that military background because everything's just like bullet point A, bullet point B, bullet point C, and we're moving on. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Give me the facts and only the facts. Um, well, and I but, think that's part of what appeals to us as uh, technologists as well, is we tend to be very framework-oriented in the same way that I think the military tends to be very framework-oriented. And so when it comes to having a structure, you know, in technology, uh, that structure often means that if you deviate from it, things don't work, right? They're only designed to work within that structure. Um, similarly, you know, when we were talking with uh, Major General Williams, he, you know, he talked about there's that routine aspect where you you continue to practice and practice and practice until something becomes so routine that you find yourself in the heat of battle, and there's, you know, it things can be falling apart all around you and yet you are still pursuing along a trajectory that has been ingrained into you through the repetition of that training and so there's there's a purpose for those frameworks you know in in either of those domains and i think you know there are certain uh you know mentors leadership advisors teachers 
they they have their own sort of prescribed framework. You know, Brene Brown, I think, is an, another one. You know, she talks about braving. And, you know, the acronym of braving essentially can be broken out into each of those letters representing a, a concept within her framework. So I think there's a lot of strength in frameworks, especially as it, you know, helps to ingrain a repetition of a certain type of behavior in, in your own um you know, your own patterns of action. I completely agree with you all. All very valid points. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about Jocko Willink and Simon Sinek, but is there any one uh, other author or like even social media content creator or somebody in the that's had a big impact on you that cause since we're talking about that, mentee relationship without directly knowing them is there anyone else that's kind of had that impact on you and like what have you learned from them yeah you know there's uh i mean in terms of social media one that you see all the time on linkedin is uh gary gary v right gary vaynerchuk i, I think is how you say his last name vaynerchuk, vaynerchuk. Yeah, yeah. uh and uh you know, and and that's great because there's just all always these little tidbits that are kind of worth reflecting on, right? Uh, and then there's some some lesser known ones. You know, there there's one that we actually had on our podcast as a guest named Mike Lee, and he's taken these principles of yoga and mindfulness, and has has really you know made that part of his routine of helping to be a mentor to other executive leaders, and. I think that there's a, a real uh, need for that kind of work. And, you know, it sounds kind of like fluffy or something because, you know, people are like, oh, mindfulness, you know, and, and here we are talking about Jocko Willink, you know, it's like, nah, man, I'm going to go lift some weights, you know, and go <laughs> <laughs> deadlift yeah. 600 pounds. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, I, I don't need mindfulness. Um, but for me, mindfulness is. It is a very critical component of my own daily routine. And I, and I say that being a daily meditator. Uh, and by daily, I mean most days. <laughs> but <laughs> I really do try to maintain it as a, a routine discipline. And I meditate regularly with my family. Um, and, you know, part of what that behavior starts to uh, evoke for me is that I, I find myself using it as a tool more and more at times when I need it most and I'm, I may not consciously recognize when I need it most, but say I'm going in for uh, a big presentation with a client. I need to be calm. I need to be mentally receptive. I need to be very organized and articulate. And usually in order to get there, the best place for me to start is not flying in from another meeting where, you know, I, I took a Zoom call right up to, you know, 12.59 before my one o'clock meeting. Um, that's not the way to be, you know, mentally prepared. That's not the way to be 100% laser focused on, you know, who you're trying to communicate with. And so for me, a lot of times what that means is 10 minutes of sitting meditation before, uh, you know, going into uh, a, an important call like that. And by sitting meditation, I'm not talking about, you know, like Shinru Suzuki's uh, Zazen, where you have to sit, you know, with your, your back straight, like, 
like an arrow and a you know a bow. <laughs> I'm just talking about getting relaxed. You can sit in an office chair. You know, put your hands on your knees. You don't even have to close your eyes, but just take your eyes to a focal point so that you can concentrate on your breaths. And it's very simple. You just inhale, and that's a count of one. You exhale, that's a count of two. You do that up to ten, and then you go back to one. And every time you find your mind wandering, you don't beat yourself up over it. You're like, oh, there I am. You know, I lost my focus again. You just kindly dismiss it as thinking and return to counting the breaths. And once you've done this for a period of time, it becomes, you know, much easier to do because it is difficult <laughs> at the beginning. And that's why practitioners of meditation call it practice, right? <laughs> because you never achieve mastery with it. Um, <laughs> but w what you start to realize is uh, it starts to settle a lot of this chaotic chatterbox mental energy that can get in the way of focus or get in the way of, you know, uh, authentic attentiveness at, at times where it's most critical. So I know that was a really long-winded answer to your question, but uh, props to Mike, Mike Lee for uh, what he's doing <laughs> online with his mindfulness teaching. And we'll be sure to uh, link his uh, episode interview with us in, in the show notes. It was... It was sometime in 2020, I think. So we'll put the link in there. I don't remember what episode number it is. But, I, you know, I, mindfulness is one of those things that I feel like is super important. I didn't really understand it um, for a long time. Um, and it's one of those things about being present, right? And just acknowledging your thoughts and, and having that practice that that alone time where we're constantly uh, pinged by social media, our phones buzz with with email and text messages, and and you know we're, we're here on a podcast. That's that can be noise too, right? And I found it, at least for me doing breath work has been my my type of thing where I just sit down and I just focus on the breaths in and out has been really helpful from a mindfulness perspective and. Um, for me practicing my martial arts because when somebody's trying to attack me i don't have time to think about anything i just have to execute so it's that's my form of meditation too where you know all my thoughts at the end of the day just get flushed out and i'm just purely in the moment i'm nowhere else i'm just in that moment in that interaction um experiencing that 100 percent without any distraction or or anything you know pulling my attention away so i love that you brought up mindfulness and it's it's been something big on my radar uh lately and you know i, I have to give you credit because you're you've pulled me back into that turn direction uh, i got stuck on you know consuming content about leadership and and just like d different things that interest me like astrophysics and tyson neil degrasse and uh, just i i had to, at times forgot to take care of myself so I, I had to give you a big thanks for that oh that's awesome to hear i'm so glad thank you well it's uh, you know it's something that uh, i came to in my early 20s and uh, you know it I was just kind of curious about it, and it was reinforced for me through a co-worker uh, when I was actually doing some, some very stressful work, uh, working as a nurse aide in an Alzheimer's clinic. And, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, there was a lot of baggage that I was carrying home with me every night uh, just because of the intensity and the emotionalism of that, that type of work. 
and one of the uh, one of the people that came in to visit those patients on a routine basis was a Buddhist nun, and she was the one who introduced me to uh, the book called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Shinru Suzuki. Also, a very short read, uh, and one that's. Um, you know, it's it's probably a little more formal than, you know, uh, there's probably a lot of meditation books out there or quick things online, you know, that you can get to. I've even seen, you know, like on howto.com, there's, uh, there's a great uh, entry on several different styles of meditation. Um, but that particular book, you know, it was, uh, I think I received that probably right around the time that the web started. So <laughs> it's not like there was a lot of content <laughs> online I could Google. So books, books were where it was at. And that was one that, uh, that helped introduce me to a lot of those concepts. That's How about you, great, Nick? Great I, insight. You know, I, I've rattled off a, a few different influences. Who are some of the ones that kind of come to mind for you? So for me, um, just from, you know, obviously we talked about one, Jocko Willink, and we talked about him, uh, you know, at length, so I don't need to go into that one anymore. Um, Gary V as well, too. He's Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk. At first when I found him, he was, he, he put me off, right? Because he is really brash. He says the F word probably more than any individual I ever know. Um, he, you know, like when he says the F word, you're like, oh man, am I like in Goodfellas? Like with how many, how many times he says the F word. But then he always has these little like nuggets either about leadership or about, you know, doing something or, you know, creating something where you're just like, wow, you just take that back. Um, he's had a big impact on me. And the other one I would say is probably Peter Lynch, right? I, you know, just his ideas and his thoughts about his human centered leadership, uh, really stick a chord with me and i guess what i really like about it too is that it's simple right I, i'm not a huge fan of things that are very complicated where i need a book and i gotta follow some method because nine times out of ten i'm not going to remember it if it's this super crazy method i'm not going to remember step you know 17a to get to two you know to be you know twelve thousand. i'm not going to remember those things uh so I would say those two, and when it comes to uh, different, like just podcast, I've really picked up again listening to something called Twenty Thousand Hertz, and it's just you know these sound studio guys in Dallas. They're they're sound designers, I guess they call them, and they just do different things for movies and TV shows, and they just talk about how sound affects the world. And they had this great episode recently about people you know who are blind and they go to movies or they watch tv shows they don't understand what's going on and it was this whole thing about how pbs in boston did dictation first like in the early 90s they would get people to watch the shows and they would just dictate and it's one of those things when you stop to think you don't realize how different things like that have an impact on another individual until you sit down and you hear somebody talk about it so i i enjoy stuff like that as too well yeah, that's great. And there's, you know, I think um, part of what you touch on is just the, uh, you know, breadth of content that is out there that is available to us. That's really about good news and really about uh, things that can benefit us. And it's easy, I think, to get swept into 
just this ocean of negativity, or as you mentioned earlier, the echo chamber of, you know, how these things can, you know, continue to just, you know, create sort of a lot of this additional noise uh, in our minds. So I, I think, you know, from a, a self-awareness perspective and a leadership perspective, um, you know, a, a rule that came out of, you probably remember this from, from ROTC, you know, no different than when I learned it. Um, but, you know, complaints, uh, they go up, right? <laughs> you, you, you don't, you don't share a lot of, you know, negativity going down the chain of command. And there's, there's a very good reason for that. You want to maintain the morale of those who are around you. And it, and it feels like, you know, morale has been worsened to some degree just with a lot of the psychic energy that that gets caused by a lot of this social media echo chamber kind of stuff um that has created truly deep-seated conflicts you know uh of late so i'll I'll just i'll tie that back to one more thing that i love in that jocko willink uh book discipline equals freedom where he talks about leadership true leadership is about compromise and that you can recognize leadership because it is all about finding the common ground between opposing forces, opposing ideas, and opposing voices. And that you, as a leader, have to find a path to creating harmony where there's disharmony. Because that's how you hold everything together. And, um, and you know, part of that responsibility starts with us as individuals. In recognizing that, you know, unless we're, uh, you know, about to embark on a civil war, we're at a point where we've got, you know, potentially neighbors across the street who may have, you know, completely opposing ideas to our own because of the type of information that they're consuming. Um, but it's still up to us individually as leaders to, to be the first ones on that path to creating harmony through finding a way to compromise. And I'll, I'll just put the little asterisk next to that, that one of the things I do love that Jocko shares is um, that doesn't mean that you have to change your own ideas or your own opinions or feelings about things. It means that you recognize that you have to change this particular relationship and the work habits around it in order to create that harmony. Ben, that's a great point. And there's there's one thing about too, and I was just thinking about this when you were saying that I um, you know I was live streaming a lot last year, and I had this guest Troy Ritchie, who you know, um, he had come on and he he gave this quote. I think it was from Zig Ziglar. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it was like if you go looking for dirt, you're gonna find dirt. If you go looking for gold, you're gonna find gold. Mm-hmm. So make sure when you're looking out and you're looking for people, go looking for the good not necessarily the bad so um i thought that was a really powerful quote i was like panda it's such a simple thought thought when you think about it right if you think the world's bad and you go out looking at the world with that lens of view you're just going to find everything that's bad instead of the stuff that's good in life um you know pretty similar to your, your thing right it's about the compromise right it's not it's not that this person's bad because of this idea it's just an idea we're talking about an idea we're not talking about who that person is as an individual. And I will leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just add one more thing to that and say that uh, Robert Anton Wilson, you know, who you hear me reference frequently, uh, he was asked uh, in one of the many interviews that I've read with him, 
you you claim to be an optimist that that's like one of the labels that you always put on yourself why is that so and how can that be true when you look around the world and there's so many negative things happening and he said but that just said something about the way that you look at the world i look at the world and i see all the good things that are happening we're at a point of innovation that's unprecedented in human history every day we are seeing a change in something that is going to help humankind uh, we're seeing advances in technology. We're seeing people helping each other. We're seeing all of these things that are huge, positive outcomes. And you have to start by putting that lens on. And the bottom line is being an optimist. Why not? Cause look at, look at the alternative, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. I guess with that, Brian, that is a good spot to wrap uh if you enjoyed this episode you know if you could just leave us a review uh you know whatever stars thumbs up like subscribe whatever it is if you could just leave us a review and do that we greatly appreciate it it would help us um you know with our reach and if if you enjoyed this episode and you think there's somebody else who you think would enjoy our content be uh sure to share it with them and do you have anything to add to that brian no, I think uh, I think it's you're right. It's a good place to leave it. So thanks yep. for uh, thanks that? for exploring like this broad uh, <laughs> reach of uh, jabbering away about content today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>